Over the next few Sundays, we're going to be looking at some of the songs of ascent, which uh, encompass Psalms 120 to 134. And they're called songs of ascent because it's thought that these songs were sung by the pilgrims who were going up to Jerusalem to celebrate uh, the great feasts, the feast of Passover or Pentecost or Tabernacles. They are essentially travel songs. They're songs for the road. They're songs for the journey of life. They're songs that the pilgrims sang as they went not only physically but spiritually up towards God. And that's why they're so relevant for us today. It seems to me at least that each of these songs has a special emphasis. And I believe that this particular song, Psalm 121, is a song primarily about trusting. Trusting not in oneself, trusting not in others, but trusting instead in God's providential care. And this psalm, I believe, gives us three truths as to why we're to trust in God in our pilgrimage walk through life. And the second slide's going to come up. And that's because the Creator is our helper in verses 1 to 2. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now I know that these opening verses to this particular psalm have meant so much to so many different people. They've really brought a lot of comfort to people, haven't they? Uh, you know, when we used to live in uh, Whitehaven on the Cumbrian coast, we often used to look inwards towards the, the mountains and this psalm, the beginning of the psalm would often come to mind. And then we came to Southport, which is, you can't get much flatter than Southport, but we used to walk along the prom and uh, we used to look out, we used to see, the highlight was, could we see Black Coombe in the Cumbrian mountains further along because we'd climbed up onto the top of Black Coombe. And when we did, I used to recite these opening verses. Uh, so they have brought much comfort. But you know, there's a, a bit of a problem with these psalms, because this particular opening, because I'm sure that as you've looked at this, these verses, you're forced of the psalmist reminding you of the greatness of God. And I'm sure that that is maybe part of it. A few weeks ago, uh, Jean, my wife and I, we were up in the Lake District. And we went walking in the Langdales. And uh, this walk which I had planned, and which I had assured her was a, a six-mile walk, I'm afraid turned out to be somewhere between 10 and 12 because of my lack of navigational skills. Um, there was a lot of silence coming down from this walk, I can tell you. A lot of silence. Uh, but I did say I would make the dinner when we got back. Anyway, the, when we were on the top, I used to say to her, look, they're so majestic in size. size. And when you're, you've finished your walk and you, you, you get to the bottom of Dungeon Gill and you're walking back along the valley and you, you're looking up at them, they seem so majestic. But as you gaze upon them, they not only seem majestic, but they seem powerful. And maybe that's what the psalmist was encouraging the pilgrim to do here. Not to be downcast on their pilgrimage journey, but to look up 
to look up to the mountains and to be reminded of the power and the majesty of God. But you know, there's another interpretation of these verses, and it's this. Rather than the mountains acting as a reminder of God's power and majesty, the mountains could also be looked upon as places of danger, because it's where the wild animals and the bandits hid. And they could also warn of not only physical danger, but of spiritual danger as well. For it was on the mountains that some of the people of God had turned away from the true God and gone to worship the pagan gods around them and had set up altars on these mountains. Well, whatever the interpretation is correct, these verses bring us back to the question, who do we trust in and who is the source of our help? And Psalm 121 tells us, that our trust is to be in the creator of heaven and earth. And that's the first truth we learn from this psalm. The creator is our helper. And now the second slide is coming up. God is our protector. That's what we learn from verses 3 to 6. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. So these verses teach us that God is not only the all-powerful creator of the world, but he's also our own personal protector. Now it's important to note that the name for God that is used here, not only in this psalm, but indeed in all 15 songs of ascent, is the Lord. And you'll see if you have your Bibles in front of you that the word Lord is spelt out in capital letters. And that means it's translating the Hebrew word for God, Yahweh. God's covenant name to his people, the name that speaks of God's faithfulness to his people. And now as believers in Christ, we are part of God's covenant people. And can trust in God's faithfulness to us in Christ. Now the key word in these verses is watches. It comes from the Hebrew word shama, which means to watch over, to guard or to protect. And this word shows up six times in verses 3 to 8. In our NIV Bibles it's translated as watches over five times. And then in verse 7 it's translated as keep. You see if we are in Christ then he who watches over Israel watches over our life as well. The God of Israel is our protector. He is, in fact, our bodyguard. Now, in verses 3 to 6, the psalmist tells us some of the various ways that God watches over us. First of all, he protects us from accidents. He will not let your foot slip. You see, when we build our life on God and his word, we have a firm foundation for life. For there are no accidents for those who have put their faith in Christ. Everything that happens within our lives takes place under God's providential care. Now that's not to say that bad things aren't going to happen to us. They might happen to us. But they're still in God's providential care. He will still be there watching over us. 
And then secondly, we're told that he never slumbers nor sleeps. Because God is awake, we can sleep. It's like a child, you see, who can't sleep at night. And they call out to their parents to come to their room. You know, they might be frightened about something. Maybe there's a noise outside or whatever. And the parent comes by their bedside. And the child says, stay with me. Stay with me so I can go to sleep. And the child goes to sleep knowing that the parent is there. Knowing that the parent is there watching over them. Well, it's the same with God. It doesn't matter what problems we're dealing with, with, we can leave them in the hands of God and go to sleep knowing that God never slumbers nor sleeps. And then it says, God is close beside us. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. You know, sometimes when I'm walking along the, the road, uh, my goodly wife will come and, and, and be on the other side of me. And sometimes it moves round. And sometimes I think, why is that? And then it begins to twig. Because I'm taller than her, and she's now walking in my shade. She's too hot, she walks in my shade. It's like, for instance, she once had an accident and uh, broke her wrist. And I always know sometimes what happens, that she'll hold on to my hand. And I think to myself, oh, that's nice and affectionate. No, it's because she's frightened of slipping. It's either wet or something. She only becomes affectionate at those points. In other words, frankly, men, I'm being used. Okay, it's the same with being in the shade. You see, to be in another shade means to be close. God is close beside us. And then we're told that God protects us at all times. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now in the Hebrew language, pairs of opposites are used to convey totality. So when we read that the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night, what it's saying here is that God protects us at all times, both day and night and everything in between. There was one day a minister was leaving home to attend a conference and before he left he thought it right to pray with his wife and this was his prayer. Dear Lord, please protect my wife and children while I am away. And when he had finished, his wife looked up at him and said, well just tell me this, who do you think protects us when you're here? It's a good question, isn't it? And the answer is, it's the same Lord who protects them when he's away. You see, the creator is our helper. God is our protector. And then the last third slide coming up, the, the Lord is our sustainer. In verses 7 to 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and ever, forevermore. Now I want you to notice that verses 1 to 6 are written in the present tense. Describing what God does for us. But in verses 7 to 8 they're now written in the future tense. What God will do for us. Now there are several things we can learn from these verses. First of all, God will watch over every aspect of our life. 
That's what verse 7 says. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Now in the Hebrew, that word harm does not mean hurtful things. It actually means evil. And the word life means soul. So what we're being told here is that as we journey towards the Lord, we can know that the Lord will not let evil harm our soul. The Lord will keep us on our journey into his presence. So that even in the valley of the shadow of death, we need fear no evil. But even in the problems and the difficulties of life, God will be with us and can turn problems and difficulties to our and other people's good. As Paul writes in Romans 8, and we know that in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You see, nothing can thwart God's purpose for our lives. Nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ. God is for us. No evil, no permanent harm can ever befall the believer in Christ. And so we can trust in God's providential care because God watches over every aspect of our life. And secondly, God watches over every transition in our life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. Is it not the case that it's usually in the transition periods of our lives that we trip up? Things like the, the house move, the change of job, the change of health, the change of relationships, the death, for instance, of a spouse. It's in these in-between times, isn't it, that we really begin to struggle. Well, here in this verse, we find another example of the Hebrew language using a pair of opposites to express totality. The Lord is watching over your comings and he's watching over your goings and he's watching over everything that is in between those two things. Whatever we do, wherever we go, we are safe because God is with us. And then thirdly, we have the wonderful promise at the end of verse 8. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. See, God is watching over us and he will watch over us forever. Until our pilgrimage is over and we have ascended, we have reached the heavenly Jerusalem. So each one of us are on a journey with God. And Psalm 121 is a wonderful song for that journey. The maker of heaven and earth is our helper. He protects us from all harm and he will sustain us. God is for us. He is committed to our good. So let us learn to trust in God in all things. And to look for the good in all of the details of our lives. Remember, God cares for us. He will provide for us. And he will always be there for us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. <laughs>